Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online. And we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. We're on. Good morning, church. I'm just going to read a verse or two to you before we start. I'm going to read from Joel 2, verse 28. And it's the Lord's promise to send his Holy Spirit to the church. Then after I poured out my reins again, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I see lots of visions. I don't dream any dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. You know what, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room and there were 120. The Holy Spirit fell on all of them. Praise God, they went out into the streets. They didn't hold a party. They went out in the streets. Peter preached the message and 3,000 come to Christ. I think that's really amazing. And through that, the church was birthed. Aren't you glad for that? That holy yes was amazing. Yeah, I'll I'll take that one. I'll take that one. But I also want to read something else to you uh, in John 15. What I'd like you to do, just close your eyes for a moment. It's just allow God to just minister to us and not just go with just a set program. As I was praying last night and just worshipping, John 15 came to mind. And I just want to read a couple of verses then share something. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener or the vine dresser. This is the new living. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he, produce, and he prunes the branches that do bear, bear fruit so that they will produce even more. When we think about that passage of Scripture, just keep your eyes closed. Let's just stay in this moment. Let's just allow God to speak to us and minister to us. We often think that God only prunes the the dead branches, but he also prunes the good branches so that more fruit can come forth. And I just had this sense last night as I was just praying, and I thought, why have you shown me this verse? And I felt like God was saying that there are people here today where maybe there's some things in your life that have gone dead or you feel are dead. Just allow God to prune those branches and let them go. And the other side of the coin is that God also prunes the good branches so that we can bear fruit and bear more fruit for God. So while we're just in this atmosphere of just focusing on what I've just spoken about, are there people here this morning that feel that there's Something dead, maybe something dead within. Maybe your love for God has just grown a little cold and you're a little dead to the things of God. You used to serve God, but you're here today. And I sense God is saying, just allow the Lord to just prune those branches that are dead, that produce absolutely nothing. And let God begin a new work in your heart and in your life. And let him prune those other branches to bear more fruit. That's what we're meant to do, bear more fruit for Jesus. So while no one's looking around with your eyes closed, 
If that's you, if there's something dead within, you, there's, there's some things that you just need to let go of. Just raise your hand up while no one's looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody and just say, that's me. That's good. There's, there's a couple of brave people here this morning. Anybody else? I think there's more. I think there's more than just two. You know, friend, you've just got to let those things go. The things that hurt us and the things that wound us, you've just got to let them go. You've got to learn to then forgive, like our brother said in those verses in Colossians, you've got to forgive people that hurt you. I think that's another thing that the Lord wants to deal with this morning, unforgiveness. There's a lot of unforgiveness in our world. Sadly, there's a lot of unforgiveness in our churches because people can become hurt, even by the church. It's meant to be the safest place on earth, but even people in the church can be hurt. And I want to say to you, friends, those who put your hand up, that God just wanted to let you know today that He loves you. All the sowing that you've done in your life, in whatever area of ministry you've been involved in or however you've served God, that God is well pleased with you. God is well pleased with you. He loves you. And he understands what's going on inside your heart. But he wants to do some surgery today. He wants to cut those things off that do not produce anything. And you've got to forget about them. You've got to let them stay buried. You've got to let them stay cut off and not go back to them again. And then you've got to allow God to just prune those branches. And pruning is painful, isn't it? You ever prayed that prayer? Prune me, Lord. I need some pruning. And then he prunes a little bit and you think, God, that's a bit too close too close to my heart. That's painful. But when he does that, you know, the Holy Spirit is a surgeon. He's not a butcher. And when he makes a cut in our lives to cut things away, it's very skillful. So you can't even see the cut. You can't even see the join. And I believe, friends, those of you who put your hands up and those who are maybe too scared to put your hands up, that God wants to do a, a healing work in you. You know, sometimes when we get cut, we have scars and that reminds us of what's happened. But sometimes we let those scars just fester and that wound never heals. And I believe God wants to say to you today, friend, that he's healing that scar right now, that wound right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are bound. Who's bound by unforgiveness this morning? You've got unforgiveness towards somebody. As a young man, I hated my father before I was a Christian. I vowed I'd never forgive him and I got saved and a friend said, listen, friend, <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to forgive your dad. I said, he's done too much. The pain is too much for me to forgive him. And I got to the place where I forgave him. And I ended up leading my father to Jesus before he died. You see, healing can come out of wounds that can wound our hearts so badly we think we'd never get over it. You've got to forgive. Because God can't forgive us if we can't forgive others. So friend, friends, those of you who feeling that you've been aggrieved in your heart and there's pain and there's this wound, I just want to pray healing over you as well. The healing balm of Jesus. The healing balm of the Holy Spirit touching your life right now. Touch their lives, Father. Bring healing. Heal those wounds, Father.
In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died, I don't know what those disciples thought when he ascended into heaven, but he said, made them a promise, I'm going to send you the promise of my Father. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, one who's just like me. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to be with you always. He's going to fill you so that you can be my vessels here on earth, ministering to the needs of the people in your world. So, Father, as I come, as we approach this subject of the Holy Spirit, as we look at spiritual gifts, I thank you, Father God, that you've given spiritual gifts to the church for them to use, Father God, for your glory. Thank you, Father, as I share the word of life this morning. I thank you, Father God, that you will uh, open the hearts of these people, that the word of God is like a seed going into the heart, which is the soil. I pray that every heart is open. I pray that every ear is open to hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. And if you love the Lord, you'll say, Amen. Amen. Good. Just wanted to do that. And I really believe God showed me last night that there'd be people here that really need ministering to And that's why we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we go on this subject over the few weeks that we're going to share and that we're going to get others to share as well, that we're going to see the importance of why we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. So my focus this morning is to show us the why and for what purpose we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. But before I get into my message, I made a statement the other week about John the Baptist. Who remembers that? And I asked if if anyone knew about this particular verse or this story in the Bible. And I think some people looked back at me a little bit confused and some people were shaking their head. So before we go anywhere else, I'm going to go there first. Is that all right? And then we'll move on to the main part of the subject. Now, we're going to have a look at the account where an angel came to Zacharias. He's going to be John the Baptist's father. And he's a priest and he goes to the temple and he's got some duties to perform. And an angel speaks to him. And we're going to have a look in our verse, first verse of Scripture. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 1, 13, New King James. You've got your Bibles with you? One or two of you? Yeah, what is it? It's the sword of the Spirit, isn't it? Amen. It's no good having, just having this and, and just reading the words in this page. We need to speak those words out, don't we, over our lives. Because the Word of God is what? Living and active, isn't it? It's sharp and it's what? Powerful. That's what the Word of God is. It's amazing. And this, uh, this story, I think, is absolutely amazing to me. It says there, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. How many of you would have been afraid if you'd have woken up or you'd been standing there and an angel appears and starts speaking to you? How many would be afraid? I think I'd want to... Everyone's afraid. Yeah, that's good. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at the moment because the angel's not here at the moment. Is that all right? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness because they were in their old age and they, had a, they were going to have a baby. And they will have joy and gladness I mean, I don't know about you, I'm getting on in, in, in life. And when I look after my grandchildren, hey, Julie and John, it gets a bit tiring. And the good thing about grandchildren is you can give them back. When you're really worn out and you're tired, you can give those kids back. Isn't that good to know? They're not with you forever. And then they, the, the, your kids call you up and say, oh, can you have another night? And you say, no. 
with joy, you say, oh, yes, I will, if we can do it another night. I can't imagine changing nappies if you were 70 or 80 or 90. Can you imagine that? It's tough enough when you're young and you've got the energy to do it. And all the young mums said, amen, that's right. Verse 15, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Look at this. He will also be, what does it say up there? Filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. That's amazing. How amazing is that? Let's ask the question. Why do you think God would do that? Why do you think God would fill a fetus with the Holy Spirit before he's even born? What do you think? Any answers? Let's get you engaged this morning. Let's see if you can get... There's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. All right? You're not going to be judged or... Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Anyone else? Say again. Because he baptizes Jesus. Yeah. He knows we need him. Well, look, the next few verses show us what it means. Well, that means you're just right, Chris. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. He doesn't say he's going to go forth in the spirit of Elijah, but in the spirit and power of Elijah. He needs power. Why does he? For that very reason. And you're going to see it. It says to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So if he's going to go and prepare a way for the Lord, for Jesus to come, if he's going to baptise Jesus and turn the hearts, of the hearts of the fathers to their children, he needs the power of God in his life to do that. I find that is absolutely astounding. That's why it's important for us to be filled and to continue to be, continue to be filled. Like I said last week, that filling of the Holy Spirit It says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's in the continuous present tense. It means keep on being filled. So when you pray, when you're in your closet before your day, I know how many of you get up early in the morning, five o'clock to pray? I don't either, don't worry. (laughs) There's two brave souls, but I don't know. But I do get up and I do pray. And the more I'm learning more about God and, and learning more about His ways, I'm I'm leaning more towards going before God and asking the Holy Spirit to just fill me afresh because I don't know what I'm going to face in the day. Who knows what they're going to face tomorrow? Anybody? Don't say work and don't say it with a heavy heart and say, I've got to go to work tomorrow. It should be a joy, shouldn't it? You don't know what you're going to face tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to face tomorrow. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, He's going to lead us into truth. Esther gave me an example of this. We've been chatting about this a lot. We lived in South Africa. We were young Christians. We got saved out there, left England, went to Africa, thinking we're just going to have a, a nice life, but we got saved. And we had an even better life than the life that we thought we were going to lead. And Esther was shopping. And it was a bit late. She got to go and pick Stuart up, my son. And it's really late. And she's in the checkout of the, of the supermarket. And she's there. And the, the Holy Spirit started speaking to her. They said, there's a lady over there who looks really sad. Go and tell her that God loves her. And she's a young Christian. She thinks... Get behind me, Satan. No, she didn't say that. She said, is that really God speaking to me? And she was saying, and giving all these excuses. I'm late, Lord. I've got to pick Stuart up. I've got to pay for my shopping. What am I going to do? He said, I really want you to go over. And he went over, she went over to this lady and put her arms around and said, I just want to tell you that God loves you. So you don't know what you're going to meet when you wake up in the morning and what you're going to face. You know, 
This doesn't mean when we're filled with the Holy Spirit that we're on such a high plane more than everybody else. It doesn't make us a better Christian than somebody else. Just giving a cup of cold water to someone is just as spiritual as you praying for someone or leading someone to Jesus or praying for someone for healing. So let's not think that this is just to make us some big deal when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Let's look at, we're going to carry on with this story. Luke 1.39. If you've got the Bibles, your Bibles go there. I want you to see it in your Bible. That's what I'd like you to see. If you haven't got your Bible, sad on you. Tell your neighbour if, if they haven't got their Bibles, you know, bring your Bible to church next week. Come on. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. So who's Mary? Who are we talking about here? Who's this? It's the mother of Jesus and Elizabeth is her cousin. So she goes... Because the angel appeared to Mary, didn't he? And what, what did the angel say? He said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to conceive a son and you're going to call his name Jesus. So straight after the angel says that, she goes to the hill country to meet Elizabeth, her cousin. Right? That's what the story is all about. To the city of Judah, verse 40, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, I think these next few verses are the most astounding verses in our Bibles. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? What's that all about? You just think it's the baby kicking. The baby leapt in her womb. Let's carry on. Why did it leap in the womb? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. What's joy? No, what's joy? It's what? It's a fruit of the Spirit. Produced by the Holy Spirit. This baby's filled with the Spirit. And we reckon that Elizabeth was six months pregnant at the time. So a six-month-old fetus leapt in the womb when Mary greeted Elizabeth. Isn't that amazing? I can see you're so amazed. Tell your neighbour. Tell your, tell your neighbour that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Go on, tell your neighbour. Tell your second choice, the other side, the same thing. So mums, when you're pregnant, crank up the music. That's what we did when, Stu, when Esther was, Stu with, with, um, when Esther was um, pregnant with Stu. We used to play Christian music because we heard that this child can hear this music. So they're kicking in the womb and he's going mad. That's why he's a worship leader today, Danny. Isn't that right? Okay, moving on to spiritual gifts. We're going to have a look at the why and the purpose of spiritual gifts. All of us have natural giftings. Is that right? But God wants to give us spiritual gifts. And I do believe that God wants to use both of those gifts, your natural gifts that you have and the spiritual gifts that this Holy Spirit gives us. So we're going to have a look at 1 Corinthians 12, if you've got your Bibles. Shame on you if you haven't, but we're not going to judge you. We're not going to condemn you. I might look a little bit odd at you and you know, give you the eye or whatever, but that's okay. No judgment here. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. Are you there yet? Okay. And I'm just painting a picture today and next week we'll move into the gifts. Okay. So now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay, firstly, who's Paul writing to? Spiritual gifts, He's writing to the church, as in the church at Corinth. He's not addressing a group of apostles or prophets or pastors or evangelists or teachers, just ordinary people like you and me. Just turn to your neighbour, 
Don't say you're ordinary, because that's a bit, you know, putting someone down. Say you're extraordinary. He's addressing, he's addressing ordinary people, and it's okay to be ordinary. It's okay to be comfortable. You led the prayer so well this morning. Thank you. It's okay to be comfortable and it's okay to be ordinary. God wants to use ordinary people like you and me. And what's the subject? What's he talking about? Spiritual gifts. Oh, clever. Go top of the class. Okay, the Greek for spiritual there means this. Can anyone pronounce that? Pneumatikos. Isn't Greek a lovely language? I can't speak Greek, but I can, I can read. Pneumatikos. What does that mean? It means supernatural and it means divine. It means supernatural and it means divine. That's the word spiritual. And it also means this. This is astounding still. Look. One who is filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing? You know, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't take us over and we become a robot. Not at all. I did that so badly, didn't I? I won't do that again. Sorry, I can see you're not happy about that. I won't do that again. One who is filled with and governed by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to help us, to lead us and guide us into all truth. How many of you want to be guided into truth? You've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's not trade our relationship with the Holy Spirit by watching videos of preachers on, on your phone. That's not a bad thing, but let's not substitute that for having time spent with the Holy Spirit. That's right, isn't it? If you never spent time with Kimini, and you spent time with your mates going to Bradford and a jolly at the weekend, I mean, what would she say if you did that every weekend? <laughs> like you did that night when we had a, we had a trustees meeting and Kimini's phone had died and Danny didn't know where she was. And he was, he was frantic, didn't know where she was. She see, she had your tracker on for her phone, you see. But, it won't track it if it's dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Anyway, that's a useless piece of information. Anyway, where do we go with that? One who is filled with and governed by the Spirit of God. The first part of that word, pneumatikos, is the word, and it will get there, it is pneuma. Lovely. I'm just dancing around. Don't worry. There we go. Pneumatikos, the first part of that word is pneuma. It means spirit or breath. Or God breathed. These spiritual gifts are breathed by God. They're God breathed. Okay, let's go back to one and they're supernatural. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 12 again. Now, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be... You know, there's a lot of ignorance around the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, this is a really hot topic. It can be very divisive amongst churches because not everybody believes the same thing about the Holy Spirit. But when we look at our Bibles and read our Bibles and study our Bibles a little deeper, we'll understand why we have the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we're going to see that this morning, the why and the purpose for. There's a lot of ignorance in the body of Christ concerning these spiritual gifts. And that word ignorance means this. It means not to know through a lack of knowledge or not to know or understand or misinformed. Paul is saying, I don't want you to be misinformed, church, about these spiritual gifts that are for you, that are for every part of the body. So Paul is saying, we don't need to be ignorant or misinformed about these spiritual gifts. So 
What are spiritual gifts? Firstly, they are supernatural. Um, given by the Holy Spirit to you and me. And secondly, they're a gift. They're a gift. What would you do with a gift? If someone wants to give you a gift, Mark, what would, what would you do? Oh, I don't want that gift. You'd say, gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy, gimme, gimme, wouldn't you? That's what you'd say. Are you expectant to have some gifts at Christmas? Oh. <laughs> nothing. So you know what to buy Lydia then, don't you? Yeah, nothing. No, I'll tell you what, treat her better than she deserves. She said, no, she's not going to buy you a gift. Just buy her something special. And when she does, she'll feel all guilty and say, I didn't buy you anything, I'm really sorry. And she'll feel really bad. So they're a gift. When someone wants to give you a gift, what do you say? Thank you. Give me, give me. It's a gift. I want it. Okay, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. So don't be ignorant. Tell your friend next door. Tell your friend next door. Tell them don't be ignorant. Is that verse 4? Thank you. The Amplified. We got there in the end, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. And we're going to go through that when we study it. We're going to go through these verses and see what those things mean. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in, in what? All of us. Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to really spiritual people. Spiritual hot rods. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. What does it say? Oh, really? My Bible says really spiritual people like pastors. That are really spiritual. Apostles, prophets and teachers. All of us. So we can help me, Jesus. So we can do what? Why is there such controversy around spiritual gifts? They're there to help one another. Not to parade around and say, I have the gift of healing. Brother, come and I'll heal you. I have the gift of prophecy. So when I speak, I speak what God tells me to speak. No, those spiritual gifts are there to help others. That's what they're for. We see four things there. Let's have a look. Ah! There are a variety of gifts. That's the first thing. They're given by grace. They're called grace gifts. God wants to give them to you just freely by the Holy Spirit. These spiritual gifts are given to each one and they're given to help each other. Who wants to help other people? Why are we here? Why does the church exist? Just so that we can have a nice little holy huddle here on a Sunday, have a bit of worship, listen to some old guy speak about stuff and then have some cake. That's the highlight of the morning, isn't it? Cake and tea. And then you're off. What do you do at church? We had cake and tea. Becca made the most amazing... Oh, where's Becca? Becca made the most amazing... Who had the, who had the party cake? The 25th birthday party cake? Yeah, cheers. Cheers. I had a little piece. I mean, it was that big. I'm not kidding you. My wife will testify. You go and ask her. I'm not telling the lie. And then what did we do with the rest of the cake when we got home? What did Esther do with it? She put it in the freezer. And I said, Where's, why is it in the freezer? Now we're going to take it to church next week. I got one piece that big. But I love my wife. She's going to get a present at Christmas. <laughs> Do you want to help others in your own power and ability or with God's power and ability? 
What do you want to do? Yours. Okay, 1 Peter 4.10. Let's go there. I, don't know. I, won't invite this. I won't invite this preacher back next week. You're all right. We'll get someone else. Okay, 1 Peter 4.10, New Living. Can we see another verse or other verses that confirm this? The New Living of 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given, I want you to read it. God has given a gift from his great variety of you're good today. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put a tick there. When I get home, I've got a tick box. Were they nice? Were they kind? Did they laugh? You know, did they enjoy the sermon? If they didn't, we'll pray for them. Bible says pray for your enemies. God has given each of you... <laughs> I'm just having such a good time. up. Anyway, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. What does it say then? Use them well to serve what? One another, God has given us these gifts to ordinary people so that we can serve one another. That's the purpose, to serve one another. These gifts aren't for our own personal benefit, although we will benefit from them in some way. And they're given to each one to help someone else. There's an old saying, use it or... That's it, you know that. You've got to use them. Use those gifts well. And if you don't know... How to use these gifts over the next few weeks. We're going to teach you how to use them. So when you are praying and asking God to help you, lead you in your day, for you to speak to anyone that comes across your path that might need Jesus, because there's a lost and dying world out there that needs Jesus. We have Jesus, but there's people out there that don't have him and they need him. Come on, I believe we're the end time church. I really, whether Jesus comes back tomorrow or in a thousand years, we need to be ready about our Father's business helping other people. Well, I'm, you know, I'm too much of a mess to help someone. I'll tell you what, you help someone who's in a mess and your mess won't, won't seem as bad maybe as someone else's mess. Go and help someone else and your problems might not seem as bad as those people's problems. Amen? That's what it's about. Tell your neighbour, I'm here to help you. Tell, tell your wife, I will, I will buy you a gift. 1 Peter 4.10, the new living. Hang on now. Come on, just calm down now. Come on, just get with it. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Everyone say, yes. What does it say there? Do it with all your own strength. Do it with your own ability because you're clever. What does it say? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Leading a church, I've got, you know, I've got to lean on God because I can't do this in my strength. As you as a Christian cannot do what you do in your own strength. And God doesn't expect us to do things in our own strength. And when we get burnt out, when people get burnt out, sometimes, you know, pastors, it's a, it's, it's a really bad thing. You can get really burnt out because you're more involved with the work of the Lord than the Lord of the work. That's the problem. And with many Christians as well, we're too busy with the work of the Lord. The Lord yeah, the work of the Lord instead of the Lord of the work. Our focus is Jesus. I've got to get you to look to Jesus, not the church, not the pastor, not an organisation, but look to Him. Amen? You've got to look to Him. He's the one who's going to strengthen you and give you the strength to do what you do. If not, you're doing it in your own strength and that's probably why we burn out. We need to take time out. Time out and get alone with God like you did this morning. You know, what does the Bible say in Isaiah 40? It says, Those who wait on the Lord shall 
Renew their strength. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and what? Not faint. So we've got to spend time with God. Take time away. Even you, well, I don't need to. You're the pastor. You've got to do it. But you've got to do it as well. Because you're going to face the same problems that maybe I'm facing in my life. You might be the only Bible that someone sees in your workplace or your college or your school. Do you get that? And if you're ready, if you've been praying, in the, even if it's a quick prayer, Lord, use me today. You know, God will use you. He'll bring people across your path that really need you. We're going through some troubling times, aren't we? This world's in a mess. It needs Jesus. Who's got Jesus here? Well, come on, we've got to take him somewhere. Everywhere you go, you take Jesus with you. Isn't that amazing? Come on, big J, we're going. We're going off to work today. You might be little J, but he's big J. 1 Peter 4.11. Let's have a look at that. New living. Then everything you do, look at this. What will, what will these gifts produce? What will they produce? Look at this. Then everything you do will bring glory to God. Isn't that me? What we do in church, these guys leading worship, me preaching and everything, we do for the glory of God. Us reaching people, we do for the glory of God so that God can be glorified. He wants a family in heaven. And we've got to help get these people to heaven, haven't we? By preaching the gospel. We can't take credit for anything. We really can't. And if you do, shame on you. Always, when someone praises you, I learned that from a 12-year-old in our children's ministry. Um, we like getting them young, don't we, Josh? Get them in the band young. He could play the piano. He was amazing. And I asked him to join our children's ministry. And he, he played this song. And I said, oh, that was really great. And he said, praise Jesus. He's 12-year-old. He said, and I've adopted that. That's what I do. If someone comes up to me and says, that was a great message, I'll say, that's good. If they don't, then you're on that little blacklist that I've got at home. No. You just say, praise God. Now, we can't be... Um, What's the word? False humility is, oh no, it's all of God. Oh, it's all of him. No, he used you as well. He used you, Danny, this morning to lead the worship. It wasn't all God because I didn't see God up. I don't think he can play the guitar anyway. He might be able to sing. He might be able to play the guitar. But false humility says, oh no, it's all God. No, you played some part in it. But when someone praises you, just say, thank Jesus, praise you. Okay. You know, we're not here to... To play church, we want to see lives transformed, don't we? How are we going to do that? Only by the power of God. We want to see people healed. We want to see people come to faith. And we want to see people just love Jesus and get on with their lives. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to close right there. And um, let's just think about what we've heard this morning about these spiritual gifts. So these gifts are spiritual, they're supernatural. They're given by God freely to his church to use for his glory. That's the reason we have spiritual gifts. And Father, I thank you for the gift of love, that you've put love in our hearts so that we can, that's the greatest gift, the love of Jesus in our hearts, so we can love a lost and dying world. That's why we have the love shed abroad in our hearts, Romans said. Romans 5.5, 5, I think it is. That God has shed his love abroad in our hearts. Why is that? So we can love other people, love them into the kingdom. So I thank you, Father God, for your unconditional love. You have a love that we don't have, Lord. Until we're born again and we understand what that agape, that 
unconditional love means. And Lord, we're to love others the way you love us with that unconditional love. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you, friend, you're here today, have you experienced the unconditional love of God in your life? Do you know what it is to be loved by God? I've been married to my beautiful bride 47 years this year and I love her so much, but God loves her more than I love her. God loves me more than she loves me. God is first in my life. She's second in my life. And that's a, that's a God. We've got to put God first in our lives. She's our number two. Or he's the number two. And I want to say, friend, have you experienced the love of God like I've experienced the love of God? That What I'm trying to explain to you in a, in a very broad way. Have you experienced the love of God in your life? And maybe you're here today, maybe you're here by accident, maybe this is your first time. And this morning I just want to invite anyone who has not made Jesus the Lord of their lives to respond to this call. I don't believe you're here by accident. And like Joel said, she's grown up in a Christian home. And two years ago she made that commitment to Jesus to serve him, to love him. And I hope you don't mind me saying, Joel, but you, you, you've had some challenges in your life. doesn't mean to say that now you've given your life to Jesus that you're going to stop having those challenges, but you're in a better place now than you were a few years ago. Is that right? We see, we can see the growth in you. That's trans- Jesus has done that. That's called transforming isn't it? You're transformed, aren't you? Changed for the good. Being a Christian doesn't make us perfect. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for people to say, I want to make a commitment to you, Jesus. So like Joel, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've gone to church all your life and that's a good thing, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Giving your life to Jesus, surrendering your life to him makes you a Christian. All those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Are you saved today? Do you know you're going to heaven? And if you're not sure of that, and you want to be sure, or no one's looking around, just put your hand up and say, that's me. You're speaking to me today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to him. All that I am to him. Is that you today? Just put your hand up. I'll see it. More importantly, God will see it. Okay. Are you one of those people that have loved God? You've gone to church. You've been fully committed. But for some reason, you've taken a, a step back. Maybe you've lost your first love, as Revelation says. We can lose the love that we once had for Jesus. When we first gave our lives to Jesus, we could be really excited and love going to church. But through time, we can be discouraged or disenchanted with church. Or you want to give up on church. Are you here today? And you want to give God another chance. Well, he wants to give you another chance. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me. Yeah, I've gone to church. I've gone to church. And I've been a bit discouraged. Put that hand up. That's really good. Is there anybody else? You know, we're not playing games here. This is about life and death. It really is. Life forever with Jesus or life separated from him. 
That really, that's really what it's about. I'm not trying to put fear into your heart. I really don't. God loves you and wants you. Do you want him? Just put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. I want to come back to Jesus. I think I see another hand. That's great. You can put your hands down. Thank you. We'll pray for you after if that's okay. I'm just going to pray and close the service and then we're going to have some tea and coffee. Father God, I thank you. The reason we, we come together as a church leads right up to this point. Right up to this point. To see people come to Jesus. That's why we have church. We have church to celebrate all that you've done, all you're doing, all you're about to do in, through, in and through our lives. Lord, but we have church so that others can get to know you and give their life to you. So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time that we have in a country that's free to worship our Lord. Thank you, Father God, as we go right now, that your angels would encamp around about us. Keep us safe and free from harm until we can meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stay for tea and coffee if you can. And um, let's connect and have some fellowship. Yeah, there's a prayer team that will be right up the front. If you